Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Ho, 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 and welcome to episode 75 of the Connecting ho, Faith to Life. Ho, I, w- ho. I wore my hat today. I saw you brought I, your I hat I had in. to do that. So anyway, ho, ho, ho. anyway, make sure that uh, before you leave the podcast today or while you're in the podcast, just invite someone to listen, Facebook, Twitter, uh, I guess Instagram. Instagram. It's all about the gram, I Instagram hear. Instagram for gramps. That's right, I guess. Not for gramps. It's gramps. Doesn't mess with it. But anyway. <laughs> so anyway, just keep the keep the word out there. And uh, a lot of you listened last week and appreciate you getting the word out uh, last week. It was wonderful. Well, as we look out and see everything, we noticed that Christmas is upon us in, in its strongest way. All the lights are out and people's People have got things going. Our engineer was telling us a few minutes ago about things he has at his house and all those things. But anyway, uh, as we do. I have a light competition in my neighborhood. Oh, how's that going? I won't know. Wednesday is the judgment day. Oh, man. We have been thinking about that. Well, pray. Pray for me to be the winner in my neighborhood. We want you. (laughs) <laughs> pray uh, pray and fast man. Okay. I, I want to win I think we're going to win I really think I've got it in the bag but I'm kind of nervous and the theme thing isn't bothering you huh? no 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 okay. I mean, okay. my wife is fussing at me because I don't have a theme and all the other houses seem to have a theme my, like I said my theme is uh, bright lights bright lights light, light can the be world. seen from, from the from space the, station that's, that's it so we'll see so it's Wednesday night Thursday morning I should know All right, I should man. know if I'm the winner Uh, Well, with that in mind, as we come to Christmas, we want to talk about uh, the two different and complementary accounts of the birth of Christ. And we went over Matthew last week, a lot of good reports back from that, and appreciate you listening. Uh, But uh, what happens is, is, and I hope we can straighten some of this out as we go along, and hopefully for you, that we confuse them, we put them together, we make them convoluted, but there are differences, and they give us uh, really a, a... similar but different take on the birth of Christ. So today we're going to look at Luke's account and what's special about what he says about Jesus being born into this world. Yeah, so you think about Luke's account. Luke uh, Luke and Matthew, they complement each other. Mm-hmm. We don't have two different stories. We mm-hmm. have two complementary stories, right? Stories from different perspectives. Uh, we want to be careful. We don't want to say there's two different Christmas narratives because it's one event, mm-hmm. one historic event. Just Matthew and Luke tell us about that event from different perspectives, and for good reason, which we're going to talk about. And so I'm going to help us think through Luke's gospel, and I'm going to use, Trey, my brand spanking new CSB Bible that I just got in the mail and that thing a couple looks days nice, ago. brother. That's yeah. Nice. And it feels nice. Wow. You, you ordered three of these. Now, for those of you who can't see, this is a, a very special mm-hmm. CSB Bible. I started preaching about out of the CSB a couple months ago. I've been reading it for years and started to make the transition to using it more um, in my preaching. And we're probably going to do a podcast on that, why I switched. Because oh, that's I've had a, a good, lot of people asking one. why I switched. I, I think some people are actually mad at me. <laughs> I have been an HCSB guy for years. You, so before it was a CSB, yeah, you were before the H- it was a CSB. CSB. Now they call this the Holman 
No, they dropped the Holman. They dropped the Holman altogether. So they don't even use the word Holman on their advertising or anything? No, just CSB. But anyway, it's a great translation. I've enjoyed reading um, through it several times. It's very similar in a lot of ways to the ESV. But anyway, um, years ago, I know this is a little bit off subject, but years ago, I found this Bible maker online, Mm. uh, evangelicalbible.com. You can go and they sell all kinds of Bibles, but they have their own I guess, brand a Bible that they make. And, and I went to the Holy Land. And after I got back from the Holy Land, I bought this Bible. And, and Trey, on the front of my Bible is, is the Holy Land Cross. Wow. Did you know that was the no, Holy Land Cross? That's realize. the Holy Land Cross. And so when I got back and I, and I was looking at this Bible, and I'm like, man, that's the Holy Land Cross. I want a Holy Land Cross on the front of my Bible. <laughs> and so I, um, I ordered my first, they call them Scholar Bibles. Uh-huh. They are um, made in the Netherlands mm-hmm. and shipped over here. And I, I have a, ESV that I preached from. Well, you've seen my red Bible. I preached from it for seven or eight years. And, that was and then, beautiful, Yeah, too. it's a beautiful Bible. And then I had a New Living Translation, a uh, Scholar Bible that I have at the house. I read with the boys a lot. And and then uh, they just published this CSB. We, we both pre-ordered. Mm-hmm. You and I both pre-ordered. You pre-ordered three of them. Yeah, I pre-ordered three of them the day we were allowed to pre-order. The day you were allowed to pre-order. You, you saw mine. You were envious. You wanted your own Scholar Bible. It was all about envy. So that's right. So, <laughs> so you ordered three, one for you and uh, for your sons and... Then they got them in from the Netherlands last week. Mm-hmm. I got an email said, I'm going to be here in two days. Mm-hmm. And it was here quicker than two days. It like I got the email and then like the next day. That is amazing. It was on that my doorstep. Amazing. I preached from it Sunday. I mean, I, I I just felt holier preaching from it this past Sunday. This 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 Bible that's it's, it's, and it's you got, sounded holier. Right, right. I said he's got to have a yeah, new Bible. Yeah, I mean it's it's this goat skin Bible. It's extra thick paper they use to print. It's large. My, my eyes are getting bad, so it's, it's large font. I mean, I can read it real well. I'm really excited about my new Bible and. Yours aren't here yet. No, mine aren't. You ordered be yours here. before I ordered mine. That's right. And you don't have yours yet. And mine will be here Thursday. I guess they knew that I was a special loyal customer. So I was going to say, you're an older and more loyal customer. I than guess. I, so. I guess. So you've been envying mine mm-hmm. since I got it. I've been drooling. I know you have. have but, but hold on. Yours is coming. I know. I'm excited. But anyway, anyway that's a, another story for another day. If you're looking for a great Christmas gift, man, I would. That'd be a great Christmas gift for somebody. But I'm, don't I'm, get it next day shipping. Just get it normal just shipping get, and you'll get, get, get it faster. In two days, right? But it'd be a great Christmas gift. They're, they're, they're not cheap. They're expensive. But, you know, I, I look at something I'll use for years. So uh-huh. if I'm to use it for years, I don't mind paying the money for it. Uh, but that'd be a great. Evangelicalbible.com. I'm giving them free advertisement. That's where you can buy them. Oh, so anyway, we're in Luke's Gospel, right? Yes, we are. Luke's Gospel today. And we're going to be talking about four unique features of Luke's Christmas story. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we have to understand that, again, Matthew and Luke right from different perspectives. They're different mm-hmm. people. So we talked about last week for a moment that Matthew, he is a, an apostle. He was one of the 12 that was with Jesus during his three years of ministry. Luke is not an apostle. Who was Luke with, Pops? You remember? He who? was with Paul. He was with Paul. Now, Paul is an apostle. Not He wasn't one of the original mm-hmm. 12, obviously. He was called by God on the road to Damascus, called by Jesus. And, and so, you know, his story is a little bit different than the other apostles. But Luke was a travel companion of the Apostle Paul, and so I can imagine. Matthew gives us a, a firsthand account. He was there. He mm-hmm. was with Jesus. Luke wasn't there with Jesus. He didn't walk around with the apostles. But as he traveled with Paul, and they began to share the gospel around the world at that time and making Christ known, I mean, I, I imagine that Luke wanted people to have an account. Mm of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, I mean, obviously, Matthew had written a gospel. Mark is maybe the earliest gospel. There's some debate. Uh, but but Luke wanted a gospel written with a little bit different perspective. Mm. We said last time that Matthew's gospel primarily had who in mind, Trey? Do you remember? It was the Jews. The Jews, right? So yeah. it has a, a much—it's got a real Jewish flavor to it. Um, 
and and he wrote that gospel because he wanted Jewish people to be convinced that Jesus was their Messiah, but not only their Messiah, the Messiah of the whole world. Luke writes with with a very broad audience mm-hmm. in mind. He he writes for Gentiles. Now, when you read through Luke, there, there's a like Matthew, a lot of, of Jewish background, a lot of use of the Old Testament. So if you were a Jew, you could obviously understand Luke's mm-hmm. gospel. But but think about it. I mean, he's traveling around with Paul. He's seeing people in, in different parts of the world. He wants the Gentiles to have a gospel that's aimed toward them so they can understand that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Yes. So it's, it's real interesting. So so what Luke does is he interviews, and he says this in the first few verses. He he has this guy named Theophilus. We don't know who, exactly know who Theophilus is. Maybe he was just a benefactor, someone who who financed Luke's work as he wrote this particular gospel. Uh, but but he says, man, I, I've interviewed people. This is an eyewitness account. I've, and we said last week that maybe he interviewed people like Mary, the mother of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, some of the other apostles. We don't know exactly who he interviewed, but he, he he got all the information together, and he gave us this very unique gospel that that is written with Gentiles in mind so they might know that Jesus is their Savior, the Savior of the world, the Messiah who is the Savior of the world. And so he gives us a, a different perspective than Matthew the, does in his Christmas story, his Christmas narrative is is again it's just mm-hmm. a bit different again it's one it's one historic event he just gives us a different perspective mm-hmm. well let's look at those four different things today um first of all uh, we find out that luke wants us to know the birth story of john the baptist now this is real interesting mm-hmm. because every gospel matthew mark luke and john tell us about john the baptist but we don't know his birth we don't this. know his birth and so i don't know i mean again i'm not there i don't know um Exactly what happened. I never thought of that. Before. Yeah, but yeah. you think about, you know, people are wondering, what's up with this guy, John the Baptist? Mm. Where in the world did he come from? I mean, because, because you read Mark's gospel, it, it opens with him out in the wilderness, right? You read, um, well, really, every gospel, when, you, when we're introduced to John, other than in Luke's gospel and the other three gospels, when we're introduced to John, he's in the wilderness, mm-hmm. right? Repent, the kingdom is at hand, and, you know, baptizing people in the Jordan River, Questions had to be surfacing. Where in the world did he come from? Hmm. And so I think yeah. Luke, you know, opens up his gospel to show us where John the Baptist came from, and also to show us because remember, the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, ends in Malachi three, and at the end of the book, it it, be, it, it ends with this prophetic word about there's someone coming who's going to mm-hmm. prepare the way for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so here we are. And so so Luke opens his gospel with the birth of John, because he's preparatory, preparing the way for Jesus. And it's a fascinating story, because you have this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, Zechariah is a priest. Uh, his wife is barren. They have not been able to have children. And, and you remember the story. This is an incredible story. Zechariah, he, he goes to minister to the temple. I don't know if you know this or not, Trey, but in those days, there were about 18,000 priests in Israel. That's a lot really? of priests, yeah. Man, yeah. No, no idea. And so they were divided up in these different divisions. There were 24 different divisions of priests, and, mm-hmm. and, and each division would serve twice a year at the temple. And they go in and, and they would put, you know, light the incense on, on of the fire and they would, you know, make the sacrifices right outside the temple there in the, the courtyard. And they would they would just serve at the temple twice a year, each division. Eighteen thousand priests. So was it a big deal for his father, then John the Baptist's father, to Absolutely. Absolutely. So you think about what happened at the temple. Uh, it says, look what the Bible says. It says, verse eight in Luke one, when his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot. 
mm. according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. So you think about it, 18,000 priests. Not all those priests had the opportunity to actually go in the temple. For their entire life. For their entire life. Yeah. They cast lot. Who would go in? Who would burn the incense on the altar? And so, man, you think about it. To, to be, have the opportunity to go into the temple and burn incense on the altar, this was a huge deal. And and, and the CSB translation, look again what it says. It happened that he was chosen. Mm. Now, if you've been around on Sunday mornings, that sounds familiar to you because in Ruth chapter 2, remember that? Yeah. It just so happened that Ruth found herself in the field of Boaz. And so here you have in Luke chapter 1, it just so happened that um, Zechariah was chosen by Lot. You think this was tongue-in-cheek like Ruth was? Absolutely, because nothing just so happens, right? Yeah. Everything is ordained by God. God is in all the details, providentially according to God's plan, because God is going to bring forth a child through Zechariah and Elizabeth. The Lot falls to Zechariah. He goes into the temple. He sees the angel Gabriel, and Gabriel announces the birth of John the Baptist. And what was Zechariah's response? Do you remember? Uh... Go ahead and tell me. I'm not. Th- I'm he not he there. didn't believe. Oh, that remember? Response. Yeah, yeah, he didn't yeah. believe. And yeah. and as a consequence of his unbelief, what happened to Zachariah? Do you remember? Yeah, he couldn't speak. He couldn't anymore. speak until the birth of John the Baptist. Now, mm-hmm. to me, this is really, really interesting because you have the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, the last prophetic book of the Old Testament, and at the end of Malachi, there's this prophecy about one coming who's going to prepare the way for the Lord. And then for 400 years, there's this in-between time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, between the Old Testament and, and the birth of Jesus. And, and so during those 400 years, we have no written revelation of God. Mm-hmm. God was at work. And there's a lot of history, a lot of history, a lot of rich history in those 400 years between uh, the close of the Old Testament and the birth of Jesus. But we have no written revelation of God, no scripture, if you will, from that particular time period. Doesn't mean that God wasn't at work. He was at work. But, but, but you know, a lot of scholars will say that you know, uh, it's kind of a period of silence, mm. that people didn't hear from God like they did in the Old Testament. And now here in Luke chapter 1, God speaks. He speaks to a prophet named, uh, excuse me, it speaks to a priest named Zechariah. God breaks his silence. Mm. But this is what's interesting. When Zachariah walks out of the temple, he can't speak. And everyone knows when he walks out of the temple because he can't speak that something supernatural has taken place. <clears throat> but, but, but watch this, Trey. God breaks the silence. How? Through silence. Mm. Isn't that inter- interesting? That God breaks the silence in, in Luke chapter 1 by making Zachariah silent. And that silence of Zachariah is the sign that God has showed up, that he's spoken. After 400 years of silence, God breaks the silence with silence. And long story short, um, Elizabeth does give birth to John the Baptist, and, and John the Baptist, as you read through the gospel, is going to prepare the way for the Lord and baptize Jesus in the Jordan River. But it's interesting to me that you know Luke chooses to open up his gospel with the birth story of John, maybe because people are just wondering, where in the world did he come from? And there's a supernatural birth story that surrounds John that that shows us, I think, that, man, yeah, this is the one. This mm-hmm. is the one that Malachi prophesied about at the end of, of his prophetic book. So there you go. Interesting stuff. You know, in Ezekiel, I, I just finished reading all the prophets because I'm reading through the Bible, and one of the things is that the, 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 the Spirit of God leaves the temple. You yeah, see that throughout absolutely. the book of Ezekiel. absolutely. And now he's back. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's just cool to me. Yeah, yeah, it gives yeah. me shivers to yeah, think. Yeah, it's and, interesting uh, stuff. So, all right, so Luke wants us to know the full birth story of G- John the Baptist. Now, Luke also tells us about the birth of Jesus from his mother, Mary's perspective. Yes, yeah, so we talk about Matthew, and Matthew tells us the birth story from Joseph's perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and more than likely because Joseph is of the lineage of David, and so just to kind of keep that theme of royalty uh, flowing throughout his gospel, right. Matthew is showing us that, that Jesus is born of Joseph, uh, the son of David, right? Makes mm-hmm. sense? And so yeah. Jesus is son of David. Um, so again, people are wondering, there's this, because we saw it, and Matt, we didn't take a lot of time to talk about it last week, but this prophecy from Isaiah that that a virgin shall, a virgin shall conceive a child. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really all we get in Matthew's gospel. Who is this woman Mary? Mm. And so, and, and this is interesting to me, because again, some Bible scholars speculate that that maybe Luke actually interviewed Mary when he was putting this gospel together, and so we have her story. I wonder if that's true. That would yeah, be neat. Yeah, so, so really we have neat. her perspective of what happened, and it's an interesting perspective. And again, I think for many in that time period, they're wondering, who in the world is Mary? Now, how did that happen, that she had a child of the Holy Spirit? What was she thinking? What was mm-hmm. going through her mind? And so Luke answers that question for us. He answers the question about who John the Baptist was and where he came from. And he also answers the question about who in the world is Mary. And so it's interesting, just a couple of things when you think about uh, the birth story from Mary's perspective, when, when um, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary, he says, greetings, O favored one, or my translation, favored woman. Mm-hmm. Trey, what does that word favored mean? I think it has something to do with grace. Yeah, so a lot of times in Scripture, that word favored is synonymous with the word grace. When we think about Mary sometimes, we think that that God chose her because she was just, you know, a really good woman, mm-hmm. that she was extra godly, that she, you know, was extra good, and because she was extra godly and extra good, God chose her to be the mother of Jesus. And it's probably not, the, in fact, it's probably not, it's not the case. Yeah. That, that the reality is, is that anybody that God chooses for his purpose and for his glory is because of his grace. That's exactly right. And so he comes to this, this, this probably teenage girl with this message of, you are going to be the mother of the Savior of the world, O favored one. Now, remember, Trey, the virgin birth is important. Why? Well, he had to be separated from man and man's sin nature. That's right. So if, if, if the lineage of sin is passed through the Father, if the father of Jesus ultimately is God himself, then Jesus is born without a sin nature, mm-hmm. right? And so this virgin birth is very significant uh, for, for our theology, for what we believe about Jesus, for his perfect life. And so Jesus is born of a virgin, um, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary is not someone special. I mean, she's special, obviously, because she is the mother of Jesus. But when I say that, she's a sinner just like everybody else. But God chooses to have grace on this woman in Nazareth, and he chooses to uh, allow her to be the mother of Jesus. Now, you know a song, Trey. It's um, sung quite a bit at Christmas time. Mary, did, did you, you know? Do you think Mary knew? Well, according to this, she knew. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, this is exactly what the Bible says. I mean, Gabriel says in verse 31 of chapter 1, Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign forever over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary knew. Mary knew. Mary knew. 
I mean, it's a great song. I'm not saying don't it, sing it. I always I say, like well, it. that was poetic. But yeah, it was anyway. poetic, but, but she absolutely knew. <laughs> she did Gabriel know. was very clear as to who this child was and what he would be. And then when you read on, you, you, Mary has this visit with Elizabeth, you know, they're cousins, mm-hmm. and, and, and she gives a song of praise for the, the baby in her womb. And she, in that song of praise, it's very clear that she knows who this child is, that he is going to be the savior of his people. So it's interesting. You've got... The story of John the Baptist that opens up the book, and then you have Mary, this young woman, just an ordinary woman, who God chooses by his grace to be the mother of uh, his son. So we got John the Baptist, now we got Mary, and now we have a place. So the third thing that Luke tells us about is the birth in Bethlehem. This is where it gets really interesting, because again, Luke is the only gospel writer to tell us about what happened in Bethlehem. Mm. What Matthew tells us, he tells us about the birth in Bethlehem, but he doesn't give us any details. Right. What he focuses on is Herod wanting to kill the baby and the Magi uh, coming and, and visiting the baby and then the family fleeing, the Holy Family fleeing to Egypt. That's kind of, and we, we talked about how that's a, a kind of throwback to the book of Exodus in a lot of ways, right? Mm. Uh, so that's what Matthew focuses on. Again, Matthew wants us to know that he, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, that he is the greater Moses, that he can deliver his people. Luke gives us the details of what happened in Bethlehem. And this is significant because again, if you think about Matthew's gospel, in a lot of ways, what Matthew is focused on is royalty. Mm-hmm. He wants us to know that Jesus is royal. Son of David, right? The, right. The, the sevens we talked about and all that kind of stuff, he's royal. He's a king. Now, Luke wants us to know that as well, but Luke also goes out of the way to show us that Jesus was ordinary. Mm. Now, obviously, Jesus is not ordinary, but born in ordinary, humble circumstances. Mm. He's a humble king. He was one of us. He was one of us. Born one of us. And yeah. so you think about just this story of, and 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 when you hear the Christmas story, it's most likely read from Luke chapter two. We're all we've we've heard, you know, Linus read. Was it Linus who read it? Linus did. Linus read it. We've he heard. Did a fantastic yeah, he did a job. fantastic job, didn't he? So we've heard the Christmas story all of our lives, and this it comes from Luke chapter two, and how the the family traveled to Bethlehem, and there was no room in the. Well, in. <laughs> in. <laughs> but was there an in? Yeah, so that's, that's the thing. You've got all these details in, in um, Luke's gospel uh-huh. about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem that we just kind of, in some ways, have gotten wrong. <laughs> well, that we, that we have this. But the songs are right. The songs are, are right. I, no, they're not. <laughs> but there are some misconceptions here in yeah, Luke yeah. chapter 2 that we just kind of need to think through. So if you read you know, the King James Version of the Bible or an older translation like that, um, it is going to use that there was no room in the inn or something mm-hmm. to, th- to that effect. And so when we hear that, we think of like the best Western in Bethlehem or the Holiday Inn <laughs> that they went and they tried to go to, you know, booking.com and couldn't get a room or whatever the case yeah. may be. And But but here's the deal. Uh, Joseph had family in Bethlehem. Mm. That's where he's from. I mean, I don't know how, if he had close relatives there or whatever the case may be. Everybody is going back to their hometown for this census. And so Joseph goes back to his hometown in Bethlehem. He undoubtedly has a family there. And so he goes back to his home town and probably finds a home of a relative to stay with. Mm, it makes sense. And so in this home of the relative, there's other family members as well who've traveled. And so it's probably someone's home that they go to and it's just full of people mm. because all the families come back to be counted. Mm-hmm. And so what would happen in those days, based on what we know archaeologically, is is that um, 
you know, people weren't wealthy. And so um, most homes had two rooms. And, and in fact, the CSB, I think, does a good job of translating this. It talks about how, um, I'm trying to find the verse. I can't see it very quickly. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have verse 7 of Luke chapter 2. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Guest room, that's good. So, yeah, so most homes in Bethlehem, most ordinary homes, had two rooms. This this big family room mm-hmm. uh, and, and then a guest room. And so the family, right, mom, dad, sons, daughters, they would stay in that, that big family room. And because hospitality was such a big deal in ancient Israel, mm. these homes would have a separate room for guests. Wow. There's no guest room. There's no room in the guest room because they've got all kinds of guests. And so Mary and Joseph stay in the family room more than likely, and, and Mary gives birth to Jesus in the family room where everybody would have stayed. Now, I'm assuming they all stepped out when she had the baby, right? But all that to say, and, and here's what's interesting. It talks about a manger and how they, they laid uh, Jesus in a manger, wrapped him in, you know, those tight swaddling clothes and all that kind of stuff. So what would happen as well, because, you know, I, I've been to, to Bethlehem, and, you know, what tradition says is that he probably wasn't put in a stable or born in a stable in the sense we think of a stable. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you were wealthy, you might have a stable, but, but this is probably not the case here, that this is a very humble home that Mary and Joseph visit. And, and so you think about um, um, in, in Israel, if you go to Bethlehem, all these caves. So a lot of people say, well, he was probably born in a cave. In fact, if you go to the Church of the Nativity, it's built over a cave system. Mm, okay. Um, maybe Jesus was born in a cave and there were times in ancient Israel that, that houses were built off of caves, right? So the cave, would, in some ways, would kind of lay the foundation for the house, if that makes any sense. But, but here's what was most common in, in Bethlehem in those days. You would have these two-room homes, a guest room and a family room, and the animals, if you had a, a sheep or a you know, cattle or whatever the case may be, they would bring those animals inside at night. And those animals, was there was a, a part of the family room that was designated for the animals. And so in your family room, you go to bed at night, you know, a few feet away, you got the cow sleep, sleeping. And, and there was a, a manger there. So all that stuff took place inside the home mm-hmm. in the family room. And so, so there probably wasn't an inn. Mm. There probably wasn't a stable in the way we think of a stable. This is Mary and Joseph going back home to Bethlehem, Joseph's home. And, and visiting family members, there's, but there's all kinds of family members there. There's no room for them in the guest room, in the room that was designated for guests when they came. And so they're in the family room where, where the rest of the family is, where the animals are, where the manger is, and that's where Jesus was born. You know, in the Old West, they always used to put people in the barn yeah, with the animals because yeah. that was their guest room, I guess. Very similar. All right. Interesting uh, stuff. Amen. Uh, let's move on to number four, and that is this, that Luke tells us also about these other people called the shepherds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, remember that this is the point of Luke's birth narrative. He wants us to see that Jesus was born in ordinary circumstances. And so Matthew wants us to know that Jesus was born as royalty. You have these magi, these wise men that come from the east. They bring gifts fit for a king, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, so Matthew's focusing on the royalty of Jesus, the royalty of Jesus. Again, Luke knows that Jesus is royal. He knows he's the king, but he wants us to know he's born in ordinary circumstances, and you can't get any more ordinary yeah, than sure. being, being born in a, a house of poor people in mm-hmm. Bethlehem and having shepherds come to see you. 
Just shepherds. Just Everyday shepherds. shepherds. And you probably know this, Trey. What was interesting about shepherds is that uh, that you really, in, in ancient Jewish culture, you didn't get any lower on the totem pole than shepherds. That's right. They were dirty. They worked with sheep all day long. They were considered ceremonially unclean. Uh, they had reputations for being thieves and liars. Uh, whether they were or not, at least that was their reputation. Uh, they could not serve as witnesses in a courtroom because of that reputation. And so, so again, man, this, is, this is good because Luke is showing us that Jesus is born in ordinary circumstances. Mm-hmm. And the first people in Luke's gospel to hear about the birth of Jesus are the outcast, wow. the unclean, uh, These are the people that the Pharisees would have said sinners are not allowed. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And I, I think what Luke wants to show us by telling us about the shepherds, that Jesus came for ordinary people, Amen. messed up people, sinners like you and me. Amen. And think about it, you know, we sing the song, and it's this beautiful song, and we'll probably sing it a million times before Christmas is over. The song, Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright. Now, after the angels appeared to the shepherds, singing glory to God in the highest, they went to Bethlehem uh, looking for the Christ child. I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us all the details, but I bet it was pretty chaotic. I was going to say, it's probably, it was certainly bright on that night. Yeah. But. Well, what's interesting, though, is that Luke's gospel does not tell us anything about the Christmas star. That comes from Matthew. That comes from Matthew. Mm-hmm. So when exactly did the star appear in the sky? We don't know, but we have no indication in Luke's gospel that there was a star sitting over the house that Jesus was born in, and so, they knew that where that... Yeah, they said, there's the star. Yeah, there's the star. There. It's right there sitting on top of that house. That's where it's at. Yeah. They probably had no idea. Mm-hmm. And so they go to Bethlehem, and, and, and these angels, right? Angels, angels, like these majestic spiritual beings had told them to go to Bethlehem and find this child. They were on a, you know, search. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I don't know, but I can imagine that they're knocking on doors. Hey, has a baby been, been born in this house? A baby been born in this house? And so I think that the shepherds are probably creating all this commotion in Bethlehem looking for a newborn baby. And then they finally find the baby with Mary and Joseph and they worship. And And Luke's gospel tells us that Mary treasured all those things in her heart. You know, it's just this, this interesting story of how God reveals himself first in Luke's gospel to these shepherds, these ordinary men who come and kind of chaotically look for the king and find him in worship. Mm. It's an interesting story. Amen. And so so I think what we see when we put the details together, when we think about Matthew's unique perspective, and then we think about Luke's unique perspective, uh, really, here's what I think. When you put the two together, what you find out is that this baby born in Bethlehem of Mary and Joseph, he is for everyone. Amen. He's for the rich. He's for the poor. He's for the ones from far off, the Magi. He's from the ones that are clo- for the ones who are close, the shepherds. He is for everyone. He's Amen. a royal king who is born in ordinary circumstances for ordinary people. Amen. It's a fascinating story. You know, and for to think that all came through one that he was both king mm. and yet a peasant. Yeah. It had to be at that time, you know, if he had been born earlier, he would have been in the you know, yeah. the lineage would have been much more important, but Yeah. By this time in Rome had taken over, it just didn't matter. Yeah, Who cared? Yeah. He So he could be born a peasant in that, yeah. In that Yeah, 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 yeah. Way. Because the way things work, yeah, I mean, it's just a really fascinating story. And then, you know, if you're um, a first century Jew or a first century Gentile and you're reading this story, I bet, I mean, we're, we're so familiar with the story mm-hmm. because we've heard it all our lives. Mm-hmm. 
but you're blown away yeah. that the God of all creation would choose to send his son into the world in this way. Mm. Thinking it had to be different than this. Yeah, this wild. Wow. Mm. And well, it just shows the power of God amen. accomplishing pur- his purpose in ways that are completely unexpected. Amen. You know, I think these uh, last two weeks especially have just helped me focus on the real meaning of mm, Christmas, mm, you know, what mm, it's really about yeah. and why it's important that we celebrate it because it does get us down to these things yeah. that we usually don't think of. So yeah. very important. It's very good, very good. Very well, good Pastor stuff. Tommy, thank you so much for what we did today, and I hope that uh, we'll, we got some more coming next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out. Okay, so that looks. we look forward to that. Yeah. Well, why don't you close this out, brother? Yeah, we do hope this has been helpful for you today. We hope that... It's been encouraging. Hopefully you learned some things you didn't know or were reminded of some things you hadn't thought about in a while. And if this was helpful, we hope that you'll share this uh, with a friend, that you'll let them know about our podcast. So if you don't mind right now, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast so you can have new content delivered to your device every single week. Leave us a five-star review. That always helps us to get the word out about this podcast. And as always, we hope that today's episode has helped you connect faith to life.